Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. It's my afternoon here, or I, uh, never mind. I have to introduce myself. Hi, my name is Vivian Aqua, the Inclusive Workplace Wellness Advocate. And it has, it has been a day, so forgive me, but I'm showing up as my true self. And yes, I do stumble. I do make, you know, some learnings that I have to do. But today is a very impactful show because we are honoring International Women's Day. I know it's the 9th of March, and I know that I'm a day too late, but then again, I'm using this show to highlight that we need to have International Women's Day on every day. So I'm celebrating International Women's Day 365 days in the year so that we celebrate women wherever they are, international, local, national, doesn't matter. We need to lift women as we climb. So that's why I'm doing this. But before starting with the official show, I do, however, want to address the interview, the impactful interview. I'm not going to share all the things about the interview because that will take me some time, but I will address certain highlights of what I, uh, I discovered. And the fact that you know, even Buckingham Palace has HR. And this is my take on it. HR, to me, I've been in situations where HR, to me, really let me down, really disappointed me because you trust them. You trust them because they are supposed to keep people safe. They are supposed to provide the best employee journey or employee experience for everyone. When someone shares their true self and when someone addresses a challenge that they are having with a coworker or with an outsider because they are attacking them from the outside or attacking them from the inside, we are supposed to lean on HR. But when we lean on the traditional role model of HR, this is what happened and this is how People feel like they are not supported and they feel like they need to leave. This is the same thing that is happening in the workplace. There is nothing different. In this case, it is different because it's done, it's done via the media. It's done because of the situation with Harry and Meghan. But we have to bring it back to the things that we can learn from the situation that Meghan and Harry are going through and what they are sharing. It goes beyond of... If you believe them, if you don't believe them, but I do have to admit I'm team Megan and Harry. If you don't believe them, that's totally your, you know, the thing that you need to look into deeper. If you do believe them, that's also fine. But what I want you to do is to learn from their experience of what they are sharing, that it's still unfortunately happening in the workplace. And that's why I want to, as a black woman, as a woman of color, I need to address something that is happening over and over again and too often. And I'm happy that we are in an age where we can talk about it, we can address it, and we can say something about it. And I'm going to share something that is shared. So the polarity is precisely the issue. The difference in treatment between Meghan and Kate is one of the clearest examples of the misogynoir at play and a reminder that if they can do that to the Duchess, it's happening to black women 
every day. Yes, it's that time where my son is at, <laughs> is here. So yeah, <laughs> it's that time. But um, I just want to support women in general, but also predominantly black women in general, saying that you are seen, you are heard, and you are loved. And I just want you to see the example that Megan shared, see the, how the lessons that she shared, what you can do about it and address it. Find your ally, find, you know, find somebody that you can confide in and do something about it. Because no job, and I repeat, and I know that maybe my clients or some people will, will hate me for this, but no job is worth it for you to lose your mental health. No job is worth it for you to lose for you to become less of yourself. So check in with each other. Make sure that your coworker is doing well and is doing okay. On that note, it is all about today. It's all about International Women's Day. Choose to challenge. And I definitely challenge myself by bringing in six people today in this conversation. So bear with me. I am going to bring them up one by one so that... Um, so that I can properly introduce them. And first of all, I am going to say Melissa Romero. She's a purpose-driven go-getter, and she's living her purpose of giving others a voice and helping close the gender gap by starting Lean in Netherlands. But Melissa is also the founder of Babo. And if you want to know more about that, please reach out to Melissa. Daniela Faletti is a multilingual professional uh, specialized in diversity inclusion advisory on the executive level, a lecturer and a speaker in the inclusive leadership. Debo Harris is a non-executive board director and also runs the Confidence Vault, a consultancy to help women reach the next level of greatness in their career or business. And Sinead Sark Sharky Steenson is a career and leadership coach who helps more than 5,000 women to elevate their careers. And we rise by lifting others. That's her, her mantra. Martijn Bosma, the only guy <laughs> who's brave enough to have this conversation amongst us. Martijn Bosma is an entrepreneur by heart and co-founder and CEO of Hatch. And Maybelline Plechik, she is the founder and author of Ad Vitame, and she loves reading books, art, music, tinkering with gadgets, and trying new technologies. And I am truly excited by having them here on the panel. And let's let's start with the first question because this year's team is choose the chat, choose to challenge. What is your challenge for the leaders with influence and power? Let's start with Maybelline. Well, right on topic, Vivian, perfect timing about the HR. What I do challenge leadership is to be more concise and be specific and accountable about HR. Mm -hmm. We need to make sure that when people speak up and they voice their opinions, when they voice their issues, there's no retaliation. Mm -hmm. It's a toxic culture that we're experiencing, especially during a pandemic. It's elevated. People are dealing with mental stress. So we need to speak about that reality, those difficult conversations. I I totally agree. Thank you for sharing that. Sinead. Well, I'm choosing to challenge and I'm asking leaders to choose to challenge the backward slide of women's careers. So this pandemic, like women have had a battle on their hands before now. 
And then during this pandemic, with all the extra pressures and challenges that women are facing, they're leaving the workforce in droves, they're having to juggle so much just to survive. And I want leaders to step up and recognize that they have to support their women and do more because it's not good enough to hold somebody back just because they've had to deprioritize their career right now. That's yeah. just not right. And women will be really badly punished by this situation. Thank you. Melissa. Um, yeah, I have a, a little bit of a different challenge. Um, and I choose leaders in general, leaders in organizations, but also leaders as in the leaders in each one of us as a personal leader to challenge the taboo and the stigma around menopause. Mm. And we can talk about that later. But for those who don't know it, menopause is a natural transition that is going to happen to everybody born with ovaries at a certain point in time, either medically induced or in a natural way. And it's time that we start talking about that and getting ready for it on time. Because whenever I share with some people, they say, oh, I'm only 40, I'm only 42. I'll introduce you to my sister who's already 50 uh, or something like that. No, dear sisters, we need to realize up front what's going to happen to us. When you were 10 or 11, maybe already your mothers, if you had the luck to have them with you, was already preparing you for something called the period or menstruation. Yeah. Who is there for us to tell us what's going to happen to us when the transition comes? And believe me, it's going to come. And currently, 90% of women are taken by surprise and are not finding the support and the resources out there. So I choose to challenge the taboo and the stigma around the menopausal transition and inviting also leaders in organizations talking about HR. Whenever somebody's pregnant, we are very clear about policies. Even a male manager can, you know, congratulate, congratulate you and uh, organize your leave and how you come back, etc. If you as an individual go to HR in most of the organizations and say, hey, I'm dealing with uh, some struggles regarding my menopausal transition, it's like, wow, TMI, I don't want to know about that. It's not fair. Too many women are leaving the workplace too early because of that as well. That is my challenge. Thank you, Melissa. Martine, you're muted. <laughs> Classic, very classic. So where to begin? I mean, all right, so let's begin at something really practical. So to challenge the, the leaders um, uh, of now, I would start with something that we're already talking about for a couple of uh, years here in the Netherlands at least, and that's paternity leave. And um, so I would uh, start with that. And then also I saw um, a question, okay, to challenge yourself. So. I would say get into more messy conversations and mm -hmm. into messy conversations. I mean, difficult, uh, vulnerable conversations about gender equality. Uh, when I, I will shortly explain when I was seven years old, that was in um, uh, 1985. Uh, my mother uh, uh, came out of the closet when she, when I was three years, so 1981 and uh, I had a relationship with a woman and the teacher back then said, to my mother at a, a, a parent-teacher meeting, oh, you can really notice Martijn has no man at home, no father figure at home. Uh, because I was, uh, 
I didn't have a father figure at home. I, I was raised, I am raised by, by two women and of course my, my very artistic, crazy father. But um, so I don't have this upbringing of, uh, of a father figure, classic father figure role. And I, I really can recommend it to everybody. Um, so to change the narrative about what is a good leader, to change the narrative of what is a good father, to change the narrative, because I feel, of course, um, uh, women, uh, strengthen your courage, uh, um, develop uh, your muscles and, and go for it. But at the same time, uh, the men need to also to really understand that 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 the the time of uh, of, of knights in shiny arbors on horses is over, you know. So so it's not only the women need to change; it's mostly also the men who really needs to redesign their thinking of a strong leader. They re redesign their thinking of what is a good uh, way to manage the company. It's almost like uh, we always hate uh, Vladimir, Vladimir Putin, uh, but everybody also loves him, you know, or we always hate no. uh, uh, royals and everything, but then uh, everybody uh, also loves them. So it's this double standards that we really need to do something. So I challenge the leaders and also myself to get into to those messy conversations, not to avoid them. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Daniela. Hi, everyone. Uh, it's uh, it's hard to be the fourth one. <laughs> it's, uh, you said so many things that was already popping in my head. Uh, I would just complete with what I've been really working hard to is to challenge perceptions mm. um, uh, through unconscious bias, learning, like really educate yourselves. I'm challenging leaders, corporates, um, individuals, and myself. <laughs> answering the Alejandra question i'm challenging my unconscious bias every day as uh, martin as well mentioned like putting myself in really different kind of situations and uh, talking to different people too and challenging also uh, myself to get into where i don't want to be uh, especially when we challenge leaders and corporates um i also challenge them to invest yeah. <laughs> in the business strategy like putting inclusion as part of the core business. This has been happening now, like this period of human um, month rights, you know, the, this human's rights thing. Uh, they call you as a speaker and want you to do um, conference for free because we don't have budget. So when you say you don't have budget, you're not investing in the core business strategy for inclusion. So I'm not coming as a speaker. I, I'm yeah. not interested in making marketing. So this is what I challenge also companies, HRs to really bring more argumentation, do something and invest. Debo, thank you, uh, Daniela. Debo? Yeah, I'm, I'm, hi everyone. So I'm a bit like Daniela. I've had to sort of pick through everything else that people are saying. And I was thinking, so what am I challenging? And then I remembered that I did a lot of challenging last year. Mm. after George Floyd. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't George Floyd that worried me. It was yeah. the Amy Cooper incident that happened on the very same day. Because most of us, if we're professionals, we live and work with the Amy Coopers, the ones who provide those microaggressions and microinsults, microassaults and microinvalidations. The people who sit in a boardroom and we know the research, and here's what we know. Women are overtaught, so they're interrupted twice as often as their male colleagues. 
for a woman, woman of colour, <laughs> the stats are worse. Women are often given a lower pay grade. They're often asked to provide twice as much evidence for roles that they go for, for, for projects that they're on. They're even questioned when they're in leadership roles. Mm-hmm. And the stats are worse for women of colour. So for any one of the stats that we talk about, we're always going to have that other sentence that says, the stats are worse for women of colour. Yeah. So I'm not challenging the leaders anymore. There's no need to challenge them. I've had conversations with them last year. I've had the difficult conversations with them last year. The friends who phoned me up and who said, I didn't know it was this bad, but it's not as bad in the UK. It's terrible in, in the United States. It's not as bad in Europe. It's mm-hmm. not as bad in the UK. And we can point to things like the Windrush scandal, yeah. where we've embedded unconscious bias and institutional racism within our, the very fabric of our legislation. Mm-hmm. We can find comparisons. And for us in the UK, we don't. it's not really sensible for us to look across the pond and say, oh, well, it's America, because America was our colony. And I think the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So here's the, here's the thing that I'm challenging on this year. I am challenging the HR directors. Mm. I want to see more Dr. Crushers. And anyone who is a Trekkie, uh, I'm talking about Star Trek Next Generation. Although the OG was the best, but we're not even going to talk about that, <laughs> Maybelline. I know, I know we're going to have a conversation. <laughs> I'm using this as the example for those of you who understand. We need more Dr. Crushers. Mm. in the workplace we need more Dr Crushers around the the boardroom table because Dr Crusher was the only person who could remove Jean-Luc Picard when Jean-Luc Picard was a danger to the ship when he was a danger to the staff mm-hmm. we need Dr Crushers and so those those are who I'm challenging and as for myself I think I did my challenge so the person who said I've already done my challenge so we did a 40-hour online International Women's Day that started on the 7th of March with women in New Zealand and Australia and Tonga Island. And we literally chased the sun around the globe having International Women's Day. And that's why it was 40 hours because we had 24 hours of International Women's Day all day, everywhere. And we ended up with women in um, Hawaii and Anchorage. And if that is not a challenge to run a 40 hour International Women's Day, hand over the the platform to get two hours of sleep, have people like Melissa come on and sp- speak eloquently about women in tech, women, femtech, and there was nothing we didn't cover. And we knew when it was hitting hard because you see some people leave the chat. Um, so Melissa's one actually had a lot of people join the chat from um, uh, men, men who wanted to know, who wanted to hear. And I just want to th- uh, thank people who did that. But that was my challenge. I think I'm all challenged out for this year. So that was my final challenge. So um, I I chose to challenge myself on that. And now the rest of the year is to challenge the HR directors and help put their feet to the fire because they're the ones who step up this year. Thank you. And uh, addressing that, so my my personal challenge is doing the self-reflection, doing the self-reflection of doing better, but I'm also challenging leaders. And when I say leaders, the people that follow me know that I'm addressing those who see also activate self-leadership. So every time that I'm talking about leadership, I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you as a self-leader where you can move the needle 
for everyone. I know today it's about International Women's Day, but I want you to stretch, you know, stretch, stretch your mindset a little bit further to challenge yourself to amplify diversity, equity, and inclusion in whatever way and challenge yourself on a daily basis. That's what I want to do. Um, uh, let me see what, what a question that we have, because um, let's bring in this question of 2021. It's 2021. I am turning 41 this year, and we are still talking about the business case for gender diversity. And I will rotate this different. Can you share why this is happening? Uh, Debo, let me start with you. I'll give you a short answer because it's not hitting home with the people who are the decision makers. Mm. Although I may have a personal desire to eradicate gender diverse, gender inequality mm -hmm. in my lifetime, I'm currently told it's 200 years. In my country, they had a conversation for a couple of, um, a couple of sessions they showed one television documentary and we banned plastic bags within three years of, the, of it coming up. If you can ban plastic bags within three years, I can't see why we can't do something to eradicate gender diversity yes. for 50% of the population. Which makes me think about... Well, I believe it's because the women or men who are sharing the pillow next to the women or men who are the decision makers Mm -hmm. are not as engaged yeah so, um, until it has to um, until it hits home until it is their daughter their aunt their mom yeah. coming home with that story we're not going to see that change happen but it's also about we are asked we are being asked to provide a business case for the diversity aspect but we don't ask that rhetoric question backwards like is there a business case for men in the workplace? Is there a business case for white men in the workplace? Have Have you seen the figures? Have you seen the stats? Have you seen that? Yes, and, it's all and there is a business case for change. As Sheryl Sandberg herself said, we've left the running of the world and we've left the running of economy to men for quite a while. Yeah. How's that gone? Hmm. Maybe it's time for change. <laughs> On that note, Daniela. We have <laughs> Thank seen. you, Debo. You're welcome. Oh, this is hot. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's part of what I said before. Um, there is a disconnection. So from where, uh, who is in the top management and what is happening in the rest of the company. And they put it in only on the hands of HR. Uh, HR needs to find something to convince the top management to do something. So that's why when I visit HRs and to, to understand what is happening, like I will give you an, an example uh, from a company I visited in Spain in January 2019 before COVID. Um, this uh, man told me he became in charge. He was not in charge of BNI, but then they signed the chart and everything. He had to bring some results, right? So mm -hmm. he suggested for the first time 25 years after, like since they exist as a multinational. Uh, they decided to um, promote two women for the first time in business units in uh, Spain. And uh, in 2017, it happened for the first time. And they actually su succeeded. They exceeded the, <laughs> the goals and the, everything. So they could say to the CEO, hey, we have, you know, 
good results. So now we can make them uh, more human get promoted, promoted. So he was like, I need data. They are open to it. His answer, the CEO, he is very open. Yeah, he, he finds it. But if I don't have really the results to show, it's because it's a still a patriarchy uh, thing. Mm -hmm. um, the hierarchy, the all pyramidal system is still there. Um, unfortunately, we, we still need to shake up the structure um, to make it happen. This is my thing. Thank you. I, I, I totally get that. And Martijn, as the brave man <laughs> amongst us, what, what do you have to share here? So let me begin with my, I, I find it ridiculous that there is a need for a business case for this topic, to be honest. I cannot yeah. imagine, and I totally agree with Debo, uh, WTF, I don't want to uh, use any other way of, 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 of saying that. I, I don't see why there is a need for a business case. I, I feel it like a distraction, but it comes to my opinion that if you sometimes look at the chains uh, and, and how the chain started, sometimes it starts with activism and it starts with, uh, with uh, revolution and protest, you know, more than business cases. So if you look at uh, that uh, at, at, as humans, uh, we don't like chains at all. We, we don't want to change. So men, they're okay. They have no problem. Women, they're okay. They have no problem. Doesn't really matter. Uh, the, 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 that's something we have really in common, both men and women. We don't want to change. We don't like. So in order to push for a change, I don't think we should have a business case based on the past uh, um, because we need to make a business case on the, on the future. Mm -hmm. uh, so in, in terms of uh, if you talk with an investor, then it's more about discounted cash flow uh, the, to take on, uh, on, on, okay, what are we going to earn in the future? But, but yeah, I have no clue why we're still talking about it. I, I feel like let's let's start uh, doing. And if men don't want to change, then you don't need this, right? So do it anyway. <laughs> there is no need for a business case. Yeah, thank you. Melissa. Yeah. Um, honestly, this is a topic that is so frustrating for me. Indeed, I, I also don't understand why a business case would be needed. Um, simply we're 51% of the population, it is only natural if you want to reach the max potential of a population. Let's say there is going to be, let's just say musicians, amazing male musicians and amazing female musicians. There's also going to be crappy male musicians and crappy female musicians. So statistically speaking, it just makes a lot of sense to have a pool that is 50-50, and then out of there, you will really get the best, most competent people, uh, independently, you know, if it's a male or woman, because that's that's the whole thing, that people start saying, um, yeah, but it's forcing it, putting quotas, bringing women in, blah, blah. Sorry, the system has been forced <laughs> in a natural way already. We are having a way more than a fair share of crappy men, <laughs> because let's face it, there has... There are great men, but when uh, uh, an organization is made out of 90% men, that means that you are over proportionally, just statistically speaking, also counting on those that are not as great and you're missing out on the great women. So yeah. that, that for me, and uh, it reminds me also of RBG when she said, um, I hope when they asked her like, well, do you hope for the court, for Supreme Court in the United States to become 50-50 after you're gone, whatever. And she say, or what is the perfect number of women? And she say nine. 
And everybody was shocked. Oh, wow, this woman, she wants to have 100% nine, you know, nine women, 100% of judges out there. Why is that? She said, well, because for centuries, it was also only men. <laughs> so it's time yeah. we catch up. So if we want to catch up, they need to do it the other way around. So how is that controversial? And nobody thinks it's really controversial that there are organizations so as, like the one of Daniela was mentioning, where you promote to women and all of a sudden it's not enough of, of a business case. Yeah, a company of 25 year old, come on people. I mean, let's, let's wake up. So that's, uh, I don't know if that, is a rant or an answer to your question, but simply statistically it's speaking. It's your answer. It's your rant <laughs> and <sense>. answer. <laughs> exactly. So I'll yeah. leave it there. <laughs> I totally get that. And also we are at an age or we are in an era where we women, we don't realize our power. We don't realize how we can activate our power as a customer or as a stakeholder or as a potential uh, as a potential coworker or employee, I would say let's activate and unite and activate that power so that we, yes, we want change from the inside out, but sometimes we, you know, we need to move, nudge, kick, move it further so that change happen a little bit faster than what's happening now. Can I say something related to yeah. that, Vivian, just really quickly? Indeed, back to the topic of menopause, women don't realize that there is 80% of the population that is women that are the ones making decisions regarding mm -hmm. the health uh, decisions at home and the buying decisions at home. And still, women bodies are under studies, underfunded, under-researched. Uh, it's not okay. We're the ones making the decisions and paying for it. So it's time that also it, it serves, the system serves us because yeah. indeed we need to realize the power that we have. So thanks Thank for that. Thank you. Sinead. I love that, Melissa. I agree totally. And with what everyone said, um, yeah, we shouldn't need a business case, but we are in fact living through the greatest business case there ever was because women are holding the shit together right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the world is turning because women are holding together families, homes, businesses, and rocking it all and leading countries like none of the men are managing. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but look at the cases where women are really have dealt with this situation so well and if you if you want a business case that's it like we should not be asking anything else job done thank you maybelline yep i agree 100 with everybody but i think the missing piece is the storytelling right for a long time women are too shy to advertise the great successful things that they already do, whether they're a mom, single parent, especially LGBTQ+, all mm -hmm. the intersectional topics. A lot of people don't even know what that definition means. Mm -hmm. Don't even know what a microaggression is, what is mental wellness and health. And the other piece that I think there's a big disconnect is the social status. We talk about as if we are explaining in a dictionary. Mm. I to explain it in the layman terms and don't forget the people that live in the rural area that don't have the technology that sees this they're missing out i think we need to address the tv channels broadcasting because those are the people that are not hearing this they're not seeing this they don't have internet they don't have kindle or mobile phones they still have paperback they're way back in the boonies and in the end of the day the most poorest the most less privileges are the ones that are suffering the pain they're the women that are 
having kids that dying, they're being given, you know, cultural, tribal, you know, antiquated rules of life, right? So we can't be too stuck up and too high above that we cannot reach across the social class. So we need to go back down the basic. If we really want to share diversity, we should be able to explain it without a dictionary. Yeah, love that. Um, I'm also mindful of the time, so I am going to challenge all the speakers or all the experts uh, with this following question. What can men do to become ally and for women? Um, and I want you to give um, a verb, say something short of why, and then we can go on to the next. So let's start with Martijn. What can men do to become ally for women in the workplace? So I think, first of all, uh, well, a verb, space, give space. Mm. Why? <laughs> yeah, <Short>. why? Um, <laughs> well, I, I, think, I think if we're talking about the 90% of the, the, the leadership roles and all the, the work is done by men at the moment, then uh, uh, I think that's not right. So mm. I, I totally uh, agree. And you have to actively look and actively work on that as a man to make sure that you're not uh, stepping in the biggest trap and unconscious bias uh, traps that there are. Uh, uh, like uh, I'm looking for the right person and it happens to be a man uh, uh, crap. So, so you have to give space and you have to, you have to be patient, but it first starts by, if you are a man leading a company, you have to make a decision. I want, uh, I want to give space to women leadership. And that means that's a decision. It's a very simple decision. And that means that you are opening up uh, half of your company or uh, yeah, a more equal uh, share in, in the leadership. So I think for what men can do is really making sure that glass ceiling uh, is, uh, is gone. Okay, Daniela. Listen, mm. actively. Listen, really, and actually putting uh, in action what they listen, uh, not only uh, passively listen. Uh, when I talk about active listening, is taking a step back and um, really considering what the other is saying, uh, mm -hmm. creating actions behind it. It is. It comes also with receiving feedback, right? Uh, leaders are especially used to give feedback, not receive. So when I learn to listen, I will be fully present and I will really be open to what has to come. And then curiosity, vulnerability, humility, the, like behind um, is how I see listening will, would help um, challenge and be an ally more mm -hmm. often. Okay. Thank you. Debo? Mute it. <laughs> I was saying reject, but hype more. Mm. Can you sh share some context? Because you're leaving the cliffhanger aspect. <laughs> so glad you asked. Reject more of the opportunities to take the stage. When you're asked to speak as a leader, when you're a leader in an industry and they ask you to come to that fantastic conference or come on that massive Zoom, reject it and give an alternative. I'm terribly sorry my diary's full, but here's Melissa. Yeah. She's in a fintech. Here's yeah. Maybelline. 
Mm -hmm. There's Daniela. Yeah. Um, and I would really appreciate it if instead of me, you brought her onto that because she can speak about it. She's our top person in that in our company. So that, that. you're a champion more, but that means actively rejecting more of these offers and giving an alternative. And if you don't have an alternative, it means you have to go out and find them. And that builds your network of great women who can speak on your organization's behalf and allow Love them that. to write, write. Maybelline. Oh, I'm torn now after <laughs> what Debo said. I was torn with either elevate, challenge, or opt-in uh, keywords. So I'm saying opt-in to change the status quo, opt-in to speak up, opt-in to fight for heroism, to protect and respect women as they are. Sinead, thank you, Sinead. Um, open your eyes, open your minds, like look around you. If you're on a call, how many women are on it? Like mm. simple. If you're looking around at your team, looking at your board, looking at your leadership, are there enough women around the table? And if it's only if it's only 50%, the answer is no. Simple as that. Open your effing eyes. Yeah. That's my uh, my PG version. <laughs> Thank you. Melissa. Yeah, I want to say maybe something that it might be controversial, but I'm not a big fan in the context of, of men. Um of the word ally because it seems that it gives kind of room for choosing so some mm. of some men can choose to be an ally and then the rest can just keep going with the status quo so and this is something that is important as important to them it should be as important to men as it is to to women so that's the first thing I, I wanted to say regarding the word ally now what message would I give to men um, in general it would be to try to let's say emulate and uh, emulate the leaders that they like the traits that they most admire in leaders why am i saying that it is proven once and over again and that's you know the traits that we admire now are not the traits that we used to admire 100 years ago so yesterday mm -hmm. i was also in a panel and we were talking about new leadership and what does it mean and what traits need to be new new, new leadership you know for this world and uh, I asked the panel, the moderator, which was a guy, I was like, give me an example. What is the, the role model that you have as a leadership? Obama. Why? Oh, he's close to the people. He's really eloquent and he's blah, blah, I'm like, there you go. Those are the types of traits that we admire in leaders. And I know that we wrongly associate certain hard skills or traits with masculine traits and certain mm -hmm. traits with feminine traits without willing to put labels and tab on masculine or feminine. We do not admire a leader because they're really great at math or because they are amazing at financial modeling or because what even somebody even asked me, like, what about if the person admires Trump? I'm like, 100% of the time they're going to say, because they say it like it is, because he's great, uh, one of us talking with people like us. So even despicable people like Trump would have things that well, people admire. Doing. <laughs> Sorry, I'm taking too much time. But uh, th yeah, so the point is, <laughs> the point is just try to emulate those traits that you admire really 
and forget about the King Kong fake models of the past. We need real human so that you can really open your effing eyes, as Shimei yeah. said. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really love what you are sharing. And I want to end it with the following that if you as a, as a guy or as a man have a daughter, have an auntie, have a sister, have a mother, have a grandmother, how would you feel if somebody treated them the way you are treating the women in the workplace? If that is good, then that's totally fine. But if you are treating the women in the workplace really harsh and you wouldn't wish that upon your daughter, your auntie, your sister, your best friend, let's change the narrative. Let's change the narrative. So we have come at the, the, the last question, uh, which is very challenging now. Women are leaving the workplace because of the lockdown and because of the traditional roles. What can companies do to prevent women from leaving? And I'll start with Melissa. Yeah, that's a really harsh one. And if you saw the statistics also in the United States, I think yeah. it was something like 100% of them were women of color or yeah. uh, Latinos and uh, you know, Asian and uh, and uh, Black, uh, yeah, African-American uh, women, I thought. Um, terrible. What companies can do is, I would say, really listen and, and, and open and give your eyes and see what people are struggling with that you can help with. Because if they're leaving... Is because you know the pandemic is affecting them disproportionately, yeah. but it's because they do they need to you know juggle too many balls. This is because of the combination of you know taking care of the kids plus uh, uh, work plus. So it, I I honestly I find it really really hard um, to have an answer um, on this question if people don't know what the sources are of the of the struggle of these women. And clearly also it's not the role of the workplace to tell a partner to help 50-50 at home. Um, but can there be more flexibility given even to these women? Can there be, and yeah, clearly right now I, I'm talking about the United States where I know the, the governments are less protective than the governments here in, in, in Europe. So people can be let go in, in no time, but um, with no guarantee. But I think we need to better understand the situation, the personal situations of, of the people that we are um, True. trying to support. Sinead, thank you. Sinead. Sorry, I was muted. Um, I agree with Melissa, listen, support, and be more flexible with the expectations. So flexible with how work is done. I mean, we've had to embrace flexibility in this last year but it's also being flexible in the expectations set like um if you've been set objectives targets you know are they realistic in this current climate are you setting people up to fail and ramping up the pressure on julie and you only have to look at you know past performance of your people and recognize this is the most challenging time. So have the conversation. What can we do to support you better? Yeah. Thank you. Maybelline. Yeah. Just confirming what Melissa and Sunita said, listening is key. Uh, definitely 
be creative and flexible, especially now that we found that we, we can work remotely. There are many roles that can be flexibly changed, make it more flexible, change the shifts of the schedule, you know, just to, to allow them the time to be able to do personal care, wellness and health. I'm gonna keep repeating that because that's a problem right now with suicide and different things, right? And even violence that they're dealing with because especially for the ones that are left by themselves and they yeah. don't have protections, they're also in danger physically. Um, their deaths, you know, all the harassments that they're facing, where else could they go with COVID-19? It's, it's not secure even for the children. So really a lot of leveraging the HR tools, the benefits from the insurance, have those conversations, get creative. What are some subscriptions they can have? Even calm, meditation, things like that, that can sign up for any employee resource group development. Those are all needed. They're not optional. None of that is optional. It needs to be discussed. We need to put that in place as a, a prescriptive way to assist from all grounds. We should have open conversations of family leave, especially people taking care of their parents, you know, anybody that's ill in the hospital, emergency, even taking tests, especially in school. Parents are struggling to keep in track of quarantine. So we have a very large systemic issue worldwide where we are confused <laughs> rules are not in place and we just need to be more empathetic listen you know just stop for a moment give people a break and be more understanding thank you Debo. i was sitting here thinking about it and then i thought well because of the pandemic the whole world apart from the areas that have technology poverty have stepped forward maybe three, in some cases, 10 years in their technology use. And it's time for us not to waste a crisis. Many of the women who are leaving the workplace are in essential care, they're essential workers. So they can't work from home. They haven't been working from home. But there are many other women who are not in work and who don't have childcare duties. So what may be a practical thing is for these organizations to invest in tech companies that are platforms for work. And if I can't make it to work because my child's school is shut again, that those hours could be put out so that there is a bank of women who can step up at short notice, mm -hmm. almost like your fifth emergency service who can cover those areas. Or maybe it's about a platform to show affordable childcare. Or maybe it's about the corporates investing in more affordable childcare so that women can do can know that their children are safe if they are to return to work. I also think that they should work, they should the organization should listen to the men. They should make paternity leave as much of a celebration rather than handing out a cigar when they hear that the man's had a child that that he's he's um his spouse has, has had a child. It is about embedding it into the system. And as soon as they hear they're pregnant, they bring them in just like the performance plans and they say, okay, so when is your wife or, or when is your partner's um, due? Okay, so that's seven months. Let's start to work in now the time. Let's start to think about when you need to go to those, um, you need to go, to, to the scans and when you go need to go to the classes and start to embed in the system a change in what it means to be masculine. Because we yeah. see some really strong men who are very gentle and who are also quite alpha. 
Uh, so I think it's about, I think it's a two-handed thing, some practical things to give a bank of women an opportunity to provide and make, uh, bring their money in and something else for our men to remove that masculinity and take some heads, take some heads, <laughs> take some heads of some of those men who earn money for the organization, but who are just, you know, when they say who the best, redefine what you mean by best and take some heads. Because as the philosopher Richard Nixon said, forget the hearts and minds, grab them by the short and curlies, the hearts and minds will follow. So take some heads in the first instance to show that you're serious. Okay. Do kindness. Clear, thank you, Daniela. Wow, <laughs> that's amazing. I think the word that comes to my mind that connects every single opinion here is trust because um, companies are worried about not being able to control something. So mm. when you give flexibility, when you give the resource, you know, and you create the safe space as well, creating safe space for who is suffering, uh, really struggling with situations at home uh, of violence, for example, uh, you need also to trust uh, when you give them the resource and the flexibility, trust them. Uh, creating this relationship of trust and um, even also the option of saying no. <laughs> it's a discussion I had uh, recently when, for example, the example of a woman having a baby, right? And uh, they're not in the room and there is a promotion and say, oh, so well, she's a, it's not, and now it's pandemic. So yeah. just, she just had a baby, she's working from home and it's not possible. Well, um if i ask her i may put her in pressure as well because she wants to have the promotion and the baby and everything so what i heard it was complicated to actually also bring the the conversation to this woman but no they need to be the ones to take the decision and you should not expect a, a yes you just need to ask and expecting a yes or no so trust and give uh, another opportunity later and bring the conversation to the table. I think uh, you all said so many great things already uh, and it complements each other. Martijn? Yes, wow. I, I, I also agree with Daniela and, um, and everybody else uh, that, that, that it's all about trust and um, to give uh, to, to, to connect actually with my personal situation, I uh, in June uh, in the in the middle of uh, the two lockdowns here in the Netherlands, we got a baby girl, uh, my girlfriend and I, and um, I also started a new company, uh, this uh, hatch thing, and um, and uh, my uh, co-founder Rowana, uh, uh, who is our chief science officer, she just got a daughter in uh, November. So there's a lot of uh, leaves and, and also starting a company. And then my girlfriend got a project, um, a big project, City of Joy. Uh, you have to watch it if you haven't watched it on Netflix, uh, a series uh, documentary. Um, and, and she created a whole new fashion thing, but she had to work for 20 hours uh, a day, uh, 15 to 20 hours a day for the coming, the last three months. And I've been juggling with a baby uh, girl uh, sometimes even having uh, her on my on my on my arm here 
uh, feeding milk while having a Zoom call and then the doorbell <laughs> ring and then I had to have another meeting and then I, yeah, so it's just like juggling, cooking dinner and it's so much that that for, for, for I realized actually why doing, while doing all this is like, whoa, it's not about doing the tasks at home. It's not about uh, it's not about doing things. Uh, it's actually about feeling the, the 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 responsibility, the ownership of everything, and the responsibility is something. So then I thought, okay, because the question is, of course, what 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 do these companies need to do to prevent this? I would say also, of course, we need to empower uh, women to 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 do to to, and we I think we need to have yeah eyes and ears which is very difficult huh? because there's no coffee machine uh, 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 talk about how you're doing and uh, etc it's very difficult for HR to actually know what's happening in the homes or to, for a manager already it doesn't even have to be HR um, so if she uh, uh, I, I feel like to have like regular catch-ups about how is it going and not only about work but also about how is it going at home and then at the same time, not only doing that for women, but also empower men. And so actively uh, tell men, like, hey, can you do the dishes? I mean, we have Slack channels at companies. We have things about, so it's like, because it's always about when, uh, for example, with homeschooling, I also have a son of nine-year-old, uh, lots of homeschooling. It's, it shouldn't be automatically the woman uh taking care and the man doing all the video calls and etc et but there is kind of like a society we created the society also based on all these values we have from the past and we need to redesign like i told the narrative so so i think as an employer as a company we can be active in that and we can say to men it's like hey what did you actually do uh can you help at homeschooling and so so i i feel like if we want to have it equal and i i want it equal and i think everybody else uh should and is already wanting it but doesn't know it yet but um uh, so let's uh let's uh let's make that possible for men as well not only paternity leave but also uh, uh just actively show them how cool it is because my relationship with my son is priceless after this lockdown. I, I really loved homeschool with, with him and uh, my relationship with my daughter. Yeah, I I, I, I I never actually, I love the whole Corona lockdown thing because I, I've been now for eight months in, in some kind of paternity leave vibe that I really, really like. And it's a different relationship we built. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, it's um, the equal part is I think the most important together with trust and action. Yeah, so um, I don't know, a, a, a psychiatrist and brain neuro uh, people, they always say, if you do something for 60 days, it becomes a habit. Yeah. So let's do, let's, let's, it's so simple, you know? I like what everybody has shared. And I want to end with this final note, because I, what I'm hearing is we need to redefine, redesign how we are welcoming women, but also how we are creating an environment where women will be able to work. But know that we live in an era where we have the internet, where we have these conversations like similar like this, where people can share good things about your company or can share bad things about your company. So please be aware 
how you can move the needle and can be better and to and create inclusive work environments. So I want to thank all the guest experts of today for sharing their amazing insights. And my mind is blowing right now with everything that I've heard, but I really enjoyed uh, this conversation. And I want to end with the final note that I want the listeners, the viewers, uh, those who are uh, watching the replay or listening to the replay, choose to challenge. Choose your challenge on a weekly, on a monthly, on a quarterly or a yearly basis and challenge yourself to do better. So next week, I am taking a break, but know that the week after that, so Monday and the Tuesday, I will be back with more of Let's Humanize the Workplace. And so until then, bye, everybody.